Hello, and welcome to Harry Potter and the Methods of Rationality, the podcast. Written by Eliezer Yudkowsky, read by Ineash Brodsky, based on the works of J.K. Rowling. Second half of Chapter 119, Something to Protect, Albus Dumbledore. Harry held the parchment scroll for a long time, staring at nothing. There were times when the phrase, that explains it, didn't really seem to cover it. But nonetheless, that explained it. Absently, Harry rolled up the parchment scroll in his fist, still staring at nothing. What does it say? said Amelia Bones. It's a confession letter. Turns out, Dumbledore's the one who killed my pet rock. This is not a time for jokes! Are you the true holder of the line of Merlin Unbroken? Yes, Harry said absently, his mind occupied with thoughts that were, by any objective quantification, overwhelmingly more important. The old witch was sitting very still in her chair. She turned her head and locked eyes with Minerva McGonagall. Meanwhile, Harry's brain, which was juggling way too many possibilities over way too many time horizons, some of them involving literally billions of years and stellar disassembly procedures, declared cognitive bankruptcy and started over. All right, what's the first thing I have to do to save the world? No, make it even more local. What do I have to do today? Besides figuring out what to do, that is. And I'd better not delay before looking at whatever Dumbledore left me in the Phoenix's egg room. Harry raised his eyes from the rolled-up parchment and looked at Professor, at Headmistress McGonagall, at Mad-Eye Moody, and at the leathery-looking witch, as though seeing them for the first time. Though he was, in fact, seeing Amelia Bones for mostly the first time. Amelia Bones head of the Department of Magical Law Enforcement, whom Albus Dumbledore had thought worthy to lead the Wizengamot, at least temporarily. Her cooperation would be invaluable, maybe necessary, for... for whatever was headed Harry's way. Dumbledore had chosen her, and he'd read prophecies Harry hadn't seen. Amelia Bones, who had thought she'd been appointed regent over the line of Merlin Unbroken and made the next chief warlock, only to find that instead the position had gone to, apparently, an eleven-year-old boy. You will now, said the voice of Hufflepuff inside his head, you will now be polite. You will not be your usual brand of bloody idiot because the fate of the world might just depend on it. Or not. We don't even know. I'm terribly sorry about all this, Harry Potter said, then paused to see what effect, if any, this polite statement had produced. Minerva seems to think that you will not take offense to honest words. Harry nodded. His Ravenclaw part wanted to include the disclaimer about that being different from people blatantly trying to push you down while crying that you were intolerant of criticism, but Hufflepuff vetoed. Whatever she had to say, Harry would hear. I do not wish to speak ill of the departed, 
But since time immemorial, the line of Merlin unbroken has passed to those who have thoroughly demonstrated themselves to be not only good people, but wise enough to distinguish successors who are themselves both good and wise. A single break anywhere along the chain and the succession might go astray and never return. It was a mad act for Dumbledore to pass the line to you at such a young age, even having made a conditional upon your defeat of you-know-who. A tarnish upon Dumbledore's legacy. That is how it will be seen. The old witch hesitated, her eyes still watching Harry. I think it best that nobody outside this room ever learn of it. Um, you don't think very much of Dumbledore, I take it. I thought... Well, Albus Dumbledore was a better wizard than I, and a better person than I, in more ways than I can easily count. But the man had his faults. Because, um, I mean, Dumbledore knew everything you just said. About my being young and how the line works. You're acting like you think Dumbledore was unaware of those facts or just ignoring them when he made his decision. It's true that sometimes stupid people, like me, make decisions that crazy. But not Dumbledore. He was not mad. Harry swallowed, forcing a sudden moisture away from his eyes. I think I'm beginning to realize Dumbledore was the only sane person in all of this all along. The only one who was doing the right things for anything like the right reasons. Madame Bones was cursing under her breath, low, dire imprecations that were making Minerva McGonagall twitch. I'm sorry. Mad-Eye was grinning, the scarred face twisting up in a smile. Always knew Albus was up to something he never told the rest of us. Lad, you have no idea how hard it is for me not to use my eye on that scroll. Harry quickly shoved the scroll into his mokeskin pouch. Alistair! The old witch's voice was rising. You are a man of sense. You cannot think the lad able to fill Dumbledore's socks. Not today. Dumbledore, Harry said, the name tasting strange on his tongue, did make one wrong assumption when he made his decisions. He thought we'd be fighting Voldemort for years, all of us together. He didn't know I'd vanquish Voldemort immediately. It was the right thing for me to do. It saved a lot of lives compared to fighting a long battle. But Dumbledore thought you would have years to learn me, trust me. And instead, it was all over in an evening. Can't you just pretend that we've been fighting Voldemort for years and I earned your trust and everything? So that I'm not penalized for winning more quickly than Dumbledore expected? You're still a first year in Hogwarts. You cannot take Dumbledore's place, whatever his intentions. Right, that whole looking like an eleven-year-old thing. Harry's hand came up, rubbed at his nose where his glasses lay. I suppose I could just use the stone, change myself to look like ninety. I am not a fool. I know you are no ordinary child. I have seen you speak to Lucius Malfoy, watched you frighten off a Dementor and witness Fox grant your plea. Anyone with wisdom who saw you before the wizengament, by which I mean myself and at most two others, could guess that you had absorbed some portion of you-know-who's shredded soul on the night of his undeath, but subdued it and turned his knowledge to good ends. 
There was a slight pause in the room. Well, yes, of course. Minerva McGonagall sighed, slumped a bit in the headmistress's chair. As Albus clearly knew from the very beginning, but thoughtfully declined to warn me about in any way whatsoever. Right. I knew that. Yep. Perfectly obvious. Wasn't confused at all. I guess that's close enough to the truth. So, um, what's the problem, exactly? The problem is that you are a bubbling, unstable blend of a Hogwarts first year and you-know-who. She paused, as though waiting for something. I'm getting better about that, Harry said, since she seemed to be waiting on his reply. Quite rapidly, in fact. More importantly, it's not something Dumbledore didn't know. The old witch continued. Giving away your fortune and going in debt to Lucius Malfoy to keep your best friend out of Azkaban, as much as it demonstrates your upstanding moral character, also demonstrates that you cannot corral the wizengamot. I can see now that you did the right thing for yourself, the thing you had to do to maintain your lease on sanity and hold back your inner darkness. But you also did a thing that Merlin's heir must not do. A sentimental leader can be far worse than a selfish one. Albus, master and servant of a phoenix, was barely survivable, and even he opposed you that day. Amelia gestured in the direction of Mad-Eye Moody. Alistair has hardness. He has cunning. He still does not have the talent for government. You, Harry Potter, do not yet have the sternness, the capacity for sacrifice, to direct even the Order of the Phoenix. And being what you are, you must not try to become that person. Not now. Not at your age. Align and fuse your divided soul in your own time, if you possibly can. Do not try to be Chief Warlock while you are doing it. If Albus thought that was a good idea, he was crafting a nicer story at the expense of real-world practicality. I do think the man had a problem with that. Harry's eyes were a bit wide, listening to all this. Um... What exactly do you think is going on in here? Harry tapped his head just above his ear. I imagine that inside you is the soul of a boy who remains honest and true, gathering his will to force down the fragment of Voldemort's spirit that tries to consume him, even as it howls at him that he is sentimental and weak. (laughs) Did you just giggle? Sorry, but seriously, it wasn't ever that bad. More like having a lot of bad habits I needed to break. Ahem. Mr. Potter, I think at the start of this year it was that bad. Bad habits that chained into and triggered each other. Yes, those are a bit more of a problem. (sighs) And you, Madam Bones. Uh, sorry if I'm wrong about this, but my guess is that you're feeling a bit upset that the line went to an 11-year-old? Not the way you are thinking, though it is natural for you to suspect me. The position of Chief Warlock is not one that I will find pleasant, even compared to the horrors of magical law enforcement. Albus persuaded me on this matter, and I would say that it took some convincing, but the truth is that I did not waste his time in an argument I expected to lose. I knew I would hate the task, and I knew I would do it anyway. Minerva says you have some amount of common sense, especially when others remind you of it. 
Can you really see yourself standing upon the Wizengamot's high dais? Are you sure it is not some remnant of you-know-who that imagines himself suited to the position, or even desires it at all? Harry took off his glasses and massaged his forehead. His scar still ached a bit from the damage he'd done by picking at it yesterday until it bled in a suitably dramatic fashion. I do have some common sense, and yes, being Chief Warlock sounds like a huge amount of aggravation, and a job that, in reality, does not fit me the tiniest bit. The trouble is, um, I'm not sure the line of Merlin is just about being Chief Warlock. There's, um, I suspect that there's weird other stuff that goes along with it and that Dumbledore meant me to take responsibility for the other stuff, and that the other stuff is possibly quite amazingly important. Crap. Then Alistair Moody repeated, Crap. Kid, should you even be saying this to us? I don't know. If there's a user's manual, I haven't looked at it yet. Crap. And if these other matters require sternness and sacrifice? If they test you as you were tested before the Wizengament? I am old, Harry Potter, and I am not without knowledge of mysteries. You have seen how I was able to perceive your own nature at nearly a glance. Amelia, what would have happened if you'd had to fight you-know-who last night? The old witch shrugged. I would have died, I expect. You'd have lost. And the boy who lived didn't just take out Voldy. He set it up so that his good friend Hermione Granger came back from the dead at the same time Voldy resurrected himself. There's no way in hell or double hell that was an accident. And I don't think it was David's idea either. Amy, the truth is none of us know what the Keeper of Merlin's legacy has to do. But we're not the right kind of crazy for this crap. Amelia Bones frowned. Alistair. You know I've dealt with strange things before. Dealt with them quite well, in my opinion. Yeah, you dealt with the crap so you could go back to real life. You're not the kind of crazy that builds a castle out of the crap and lives there. Moody sighed. Amy, on some level you know exactly why Elvis had to leave who knows what job to the poor kid. The old witch's fists clenched on the table. Do you have any idea the disaster it would be for Britain? Call me sane, but I cannot accept that outcome. I have worked too long towards this day to see it fall apart now. Now of all times! Excuse me, is there any reason why Mr. Potter cannot simply instruct the line that Madame Bones is his regent for the position of Chief Warlock, but not anything having to do with the Department of Mysteries, until he comes of age? If Albus could tell the line to appoint a regent only until Voldemort's defeat, it is clearly capable of following complex orders. Slowly, this unexpected hammer blow of common sense was absorbed by everyone present. Harry opened his mouth to agree to appoint Amelia Bones his regent for Wizengamot related matters, and then hesitated again. Um, Madam Bones, I would much prefer it if you took charge of handling the Wizengamot instead of me. In that we are agreed. Shall we let it be done? But... There was a sort of frustrated dropping back of the others. What is the problem, Mr. Potter? Said the headmistress in a voice that indicated she hoped it was nothing serious. 
Um, I think there's a couple of things I might have to do very soon that could prove politically controversial. And in exchange for handing over the line's political power to Madame Bones, I'm going to want her, um, cooperation on some things. Amelia Bones exchanged another long stare with Minerva McGonagall. Then she looked back at Harry Potter. I am indignant at your request. Your hesitancy has told me that you are weak and unused to bargaining, and will probably fold if I push back. Harry closed his eyes. Slightly dark-tinged Harry opened them. All right, let me rephrase. I don't mean to interfere with your work on a day-to-day or even month-to-month basis, but I can't just toss off the final responsibility that Dumbledore left me. I'm not going to owl you bizarre parchments out of nowhere. There can be discussions first. But at some point, I may have to give you an order. If you refuse the order, I might have to take back the line's Wizengamot functions and assume direct control. Can you handle that? And if I say no? Slight, slight the dark tinge. I don't have an alternative to you lined up. I could start by asking Augusta Longbottom who she thought might be suitable and work from there. But it may be important that we keep to Dumbledore's plan as much as possible, since I don't know exactly why he did the things he did, and he thought Amelia Bones should be Chief Warlock for a time. I'm not going to pull Merlin's name on you, but... No, strike that. I am going to pull Merlin's name on you. This might or might not be insanely important. The old witch thought for a time, her eyes going from person to person around the table. I am not satisfied with this, she said after a time. But the wizengowant must be called to order soon. It will do for now. Slowly the old witch reached into her robes and took out a short rod of stone, dark stone. She placed the rod on the table before Harry. Take what is yours. And then do please give it back. Harry reached out his hand to take it. In the moment that Harry's fingers first touched the dark stone, nothing happened. Well, perhaps Merlin hadn't been given to melodrama. That could explain why his final legacy looked like a small, unassuming dark rod. If that was all that was needed for its function, that would be all that was there. Harry took up the line, frowning at it. I'd like to appoint Amelia Bones as my regent for Wizengamot-related functions. Then, the thought occurring to him that he needed to specify a stopping point to define a regency, Harry added, Until I say that I've taken it back. Then Harry made a face. He'd been hoping for more from the line, but it was just a key to places in the Department of Mysteries where interesting things were kept or to seals where Merlin and his successors had stashed things that shouldn't be destroyed, but ought to be kept from general circulation. Aside from that, the line didn't do much. The line didn't let you bypass the interdict of Merlin either. No, not even if the fate of the galaxy was at stake. Not even if the person seemed sane, had taken an unbreakable vow, and honestly believed the world was about to be destroyed otherwise. Merlin had dreamed of a long run, a world that would last for eons and not just centuries. The world had no reason not to last forever 
if the truly dangerous powers were removed and kept gone. Conversely, a single loophole in the safeguards made the world's destruction only a matter of time. Some day, Merlin's line would pass to the wrong person. It could reject the obviously unworthy, but eventually it would pass into hands too subtly flawed for the line to detect. This was inevitable when dealing with human beings. And Harry needed to keep that in mind before he sealed something where future line holders could retrieve it. The disaster of its inevitable misuse someday needed to be outweighed by its benefits over the next few thousand years. Harry let out a small sad sigh under his breath. Merlin, you idiot. Thinking that didn't unlock any final safeguards. There wasn't anything currently on fire in the Department of Mysteries, so Harry carefully placed the line back on the table. Thank you. The old witch picked up the rod of dark stone. Do you know how I am to use it to call the Wizengamon to order? Or, never mind, I shall just try striking the podium. That seems obvious enough. To the rest of the country, of course. I am the chief warlock so far as anyone knows except us four. Harry hesitated. Then he imagined the owls he would receive if anyone knew he was allowed to second-guess the chief warlock and what that would do to Amelia's negotiating power. Fine. Amelia tucked the rod back into her robes. I will not say it was a pleasure doing business with you, boy who lived, but it could have been much worse. Thank you kindly for that. Harry was already feeling worried about the exact balance of power here from the way Madame Bones was acting. The others had, quite logically, deduced that it had been mostly David Monroe who'd planned the way to defeating Voldemort, which meant they were still underestimating him. It might take a crisis of some type, with Harry figuring it out successfully for once, instead of screwing it up, before Amelia Bones started to respect his authority. Or believe in it at all, actually. So, any weirdness for me that you would have brought to Dumbledore while he was around? Amelia looked thoughtful. Since you ask, I can think of three things indeed. First, we don't have the faintest notion what ritual was used to sacrifice the Death Eaters and resurrect you-know-who. It corresponds to no known legend, and the magic traces from the ritual have been eradicated. So far as my auras can tell, everyone's heads fell off their necks due to natural causes. Except for Walden McNair, who was killed by magical fire after firing a killing curse from his wand. A very mysterious ritual indeed. She was giving Harry Potter a rather precise look. Harry considered this, choosing his words carefully. Voldemort had said he'd put up wards, so Harry had been confident of not being observed by time-turned aurors. But still... I think this is a matter you don't need to investigate too hard, Madam Bones. The old witch grinned slightly. We can't be seen to go easy on the investigation of so many noble deaths, Harry Potter. When I heard retold your particular account of David's last stand, I made certain to send investigators whom I considered reliable in the usual quality of their work. Auror Nobs and Auror Colin, in fact, who are widely respected outside my department. I found their report to be quite fascinating reading. Amelia paused. There's a possibility that Augustus Rookwood left a ghost. 
Exercise it before anyone talks to it, Harry said, conscious of the sudden hammering of his heart. Yes, sir, the old witch said dryly. I shall disrupt the soul's anchoring a little, and none shall be the wiser when it fails to materialize. The second matter is that there was a still-living human arm found among the Dark Lord's things. Bellatrix! Harry's mind had leapt back, made the connection that ongoing trauma had blurred. I think that was Bellatrix Black's arm. Lesoth Lestrange hadn't been named as someone who'd lost a parent. Oh, bloody hell! She's still out there, isn't she? Can you use her arm to track her down somehow? Amelia Bones had acquired a sour look. I see. As I was saying, a still-living human arm was found among the Dark Lord's things, but it proved to be easily incinerated. What idiot! Harry stopped himself. No, not an idiot. Because immediately destroying dark objects is department policy. Because of past experiences with rings that really should have been dropped into volcanoes immediately. Right? Moody and Amelia nodded in unison. Good guess, son. It might seem literarily inevitable that Harry's past stupidity was going to come back and haunt him in some horrible fashion later, but that was no reason not to try subverting the plot. I expect you've thought of this already, but the obvious next step is to put out your equivalent of an international bulletin for a thin witch missing her left arm. Oh, and add 25,000 galleons pledged from me. Headmistress, it's fine. Please trust me on this. To whatever reward is being offered. Well said. The old witch leaned forward slightly. The third and final matter... There was one truly puzzling element to last night's events, and I'm curious to see what you make of it, Harry Potter. Found among the corpses was the head and the body of Sirius Black. What? Yelled Moody, starting half from his chair. I thought he was an Azkaban. So he is. We checked that at once. The Azkaban guards reported that Sirius Black was still in his cell. Black's head and body have been transported to St. Mungo's morgue and show the same cause of death as the other Death Eaters. That is to say, his head spontaneously fell off. I am also told that Sirius Black is, as of this morning, sitting in the corner of his cell, rocking back and forth with his head between his hands. No other duplicate Death Eaters have been found. Yet. There was a pause filled with ticking and whooping things as people considered this. Ah, that's not possible, even by you-know-who standards of possibility, is it? I would have thought so too when I was your age, dear. It is the sixth strangest thing I have ever seen. You see, son, this sort of thing is why nobody, even me, can ever be paranoid enough. The scarred man tilted his head, looking thoughtful, as his bright blue eye kept ever roving. Twin brother concealed from the rest of the world, while Paragon Black gives birth to twins, couldn't bear to kill one, knew old Pollux would demand it. Nah, ain't buying it. Any ideas, Mr. Potter? Or is this another matter into which my department should not inquire too closely? Harry closed his eyes and thought. Sirius Black had hunted down Peter Pettigrew instead of fleeing the country as common sense would have suggested. Black had been found in the middle of the street, surrounded by bodies, laughing. 
nothing left of Pettigrew except one finger. Pettigrew had been a spy for the light, not a double agent, but somebody who snuck around and found things out. One of the conspiracy theories about Pettigrew had been that he was an animagus, since he'd been good at ferreting out secrets even in his Hogwarts years. Dementors sapped all the magic in their vicinity. Professor Quirrell had said something about a particular type of magic that rearranged flesh like a muggle smith reshaping metal with hammer and tongs. Harry opened his eyes again. Was Peter Pettigrew a secret metamorph magus? Amelia Bones' face changed. She made a single croaking noise and fell backward within her chair. Yes, in fact. Why? Sirius Black confunded Peter Pettigrew to force him to change shape and pretend to be black. By the time the confundus wore off, Peter was in Azkaban and couldn't change back. The Aurors are used to people in Azkaban saying absolutely anything to get out, so they didn't listen while Peter Pettigrew was screaming about it over and over again until his voice wore out. Even Mad-Eye Moody's face showed the horror then. In retrospect, said Harry's voice, which seemed to be operating entirely on automatic, you should have been suspicious when you managed to get that one Death Eater hauled off to Azkaban without a trial. We thought Malfoy was distracted, that he was only trying to save himself. There were other Death Eaters we managed to get then, like Bellatrix. Harry nodded, feeling like his neck and head were moving on puppet strings. The Dark Lord's most fanatic and devoted servant, a natural nucleus of opposition for anyone who contested Lucius's control of the Death Eaters. You thought Lucius was distracted. Get him out of there! Minerva McGonagall's voice rose to a scream. Get him out of there! Amelia Bones shoved herself up from the chair, whirled on the flue. Stop! Everyone looked at Harry with astonishment, none more than Minerva McGonagall. Something else seemed to have taken over Harry's voice. There's four things we still need to discuss. An innocent man has been in Azkaban for ten years, eight months, and fourteen days. He can stay there a few minutes longer. That's how urgent those four things are. You? You should not try to be this person at your age. First. I think we should look at the complete police records on every other Death Eater that went to Azkaban while Lucius was distracted. Can you compile that by tonight? Within the hour. Amelia Bones looked gray. Harry nodded. Second, Azkaban is over. You'll need to start preparations now to move the prisoners to Nurmengard or other secure non-Dementor prisons and to provide treatment for their Dementor exposure. I... The old witch seemed bent, diminished. I do not think that even with this scandal, that the remainder of the Wizengamot will bend. And the Dementors must be fed. Not so much as we have fed them, but they must be given some victims, or they will roam the world. Prey on innocence. It doesn't matter what the Wizengamot says. Because... Because... Harry took a deep (sighs) breath, steadied himself. He thought he could see the shape now of the immediate future, could see it stretching out before him like a golden pathway lit with sunlight. 
was this also written in the book of time that I must not see. Because if I'm right about what comes next, then sometime very soon, Hermione Granger, the girl who revived, is going to go to Azkaban and destroy all the Dementors there. Impossible. Merlin. Oh dear, Merlin. That's what happened to the Dementor that Dumbledore lost. That's why they're afraid of you. And now her as well. What is this? What is all this? If Hermione believes that death can be defeated, whether or not she could have believed that before, she'll believe it now. An authorized portkey to Azkaban would be appreciated. Harry's voice broke again. Tears were streaming down his cheeks. She can't die. I have her horcrux. But Hermione doesn't need to know about that. Not for one more week. If she's willing to risk her own life to end this. Though I think she might make her own way there. Harry? Harry was crying now, huge ragged breaths bursting from him, but he didn't stop talking. Somewhere out there, Peter Pettigrew was waiting while Harry cried. Somewhere out there, everyone was waiting while he cried. Third! Somewhere just inside the wards of Hogwarts, in a highly defensible position, but where emergency cases can be portkeyed in from just outside the wards, there's going to be a high-security hospital with very powerful guards that have taken unbreakable vows. I don't... I don't care how much gold it takes to pay for the vows. It genuinely does not matter anymore. And... And Alistair Moody is going to design the security architecture and go completely overboard on paranoia without being constrained by a budget or sanity or common sense. Only it has to open soon. Couldn't stop talking to cry. Harry, both of them think you've gone mad. They don't know you well enough to know better. You need to slow down and explain. Instead, Harry reached into his pouch and signed letters with his fingers, and lifted out, his fingers straining, a five-kilo chunk of gold larger than his fist, from when he'd been experimenting this morning. It made a heavy thud as it landed on the table. Moody reached over and tapped it with his wand, and then his throat made an incomprehensible sound. That's your starting budget, Alistair, if you need money right away. Nicholas Flamel didn't make the Philosopher's Stone. He stole it. Dumbledore didn't know the secret history, but Monroe did. Once you know how it works, the stone can do complete restoration to full health and youth every 234 seconds. 360 people per day. 134,000 healings per year. That should be enough to stop all the wizards everywhere and all the goblins and house elves and whoever from dying of old age or anything else. Harry was wiping away tears over and over. Flamel had more blood on his hands than a hundred Voldemorts for all the people he could have saved and didn't. This whole time, Moody, the Philosopher's Stone could have healed all your scars 
and given you back your leg any time Flamel felt like it. Dumbledore didn't know. I'm sure he didn't know. Harry smiled shakily. I can't imagine you as a teenage witch, Madam Bones, but I bet it looks good on you. That'll give you more energy for trying to keep the Wizengamot from messing with me. Because if they get the idea that the stone is something they can mess with in any way, tax, regulate, I don't care. Hogwarts is going to secede from Britain and become its own country. Headmistress, Hogwarts is no longer dependent on the Ministry for Gold, or for that matter, food. You may reform the educational curriculum at will. (laughs) I'm thinking we may want to add some more advanced courses soon, especially in muggle studies. Fourth. Harry said, and then stopped. Fourth. Begin preparations for an orderly takedown of the Statute of Secrecy and to provide magical healing on a mass scale to the Muggle world. Those who oppose this agenda in any way may be denied services by the stone. Harry's lips couldn't move. Not wouldn't. Couldn't. With six billion Muggles thinking creatively about how to use magic... Transfiguring antimatter was just one idea. It wasn't even the most destructive idea. There were also black holes and negatively charged strangelets. And if black holes couldn't be transfigured because they didn't already exist as magic defined to within some spatial radius, there was just transfiguring lots and lots of nuclear weapons and black plague that could reproduce before the transfiguration wore off. And Harry hadn't even thought about the problem for five minutes, but it didn't matter because he'd already thought of enough. Someone would think of it. Someone would talk. Someone would try it. The probability was as close to certainty as made no difference. What happened if you transfigured a cubic millimeter of upquarks? Just the upquarks without any downquarks to bind them. Harry didn't even know, and upquarks were certainly a kind of substance that already existed. All it might take was one single Muggleborn who knew the names of the six quarks deciding to try it. That could be the clock ticking down to the prophesied end of the world. Harry would have tried to deny the thought, rationalize it away. He couldn't do that either. It wasn't a thing Harry Potter would do. Like water flowing downhill, Harry Potter would take no chances when it came to not destroying the world. Fourth! Amelia Bones was looking like she'd been hit repeatedly in the face with a planet. What comes fourth? Never mind. Harry's voice did not break. He did not fold over sobbing. There were still lives he could save, and those took precedence. Never mind. Chief Warlock Bones, I give the Regency of the Wizengamot into your hands. Please use that position to announce internationally that the stone's healing power will soon be made available to all, and that meanwhile, all dying patients are to be kept alive at any cost, no matter what magic is required to do it. That announcement is your absolute priority. 
When you have done that, you may rescue Peter Pettigrew and tell your old department to begin preparations for shutting down Azkaban. Then, please have someone prepare a full list of imprisoned Death Eaters and what was said at their trials and whether Lucia seemed strangely uninterested in defending them. Thank you. That's all. Amelia Bones turned without another word and dashed into the flue like it was her own self that was on fire. And someone? Harry's voice broke again now that it was all set in motion and crying wasn't costing time, though the vast majority of total lives at stake had turned out not to be savable just yet. Someone has to... Someone tell Remus Lupin... End chapter 119. Thank you to the following people. Amelia Bones by Melissa Kessler. Minerva McGonagall, read by Autumn Rachel Dryden. Mad I me. James. This chapter's original text, production notes, and attribution links, along with archives and much more, can be found at hpmorpodcast.com. If you would like to learn more about the art of rationality, please visit LessWrong.com, an online community of aspiring rationalists founded by Eliezer Yudkowsky. Some sound effects used are courtesy of the Free Sound Project. Today's music is Morning Sunlight by Chronos Symphonic. Thank you for listening, and come back in two weeks for Chapter 120, Something to Protect, Draco Malfoy. <laughs>